Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvik. That's right. I am your host, Kurt Sandvik, and on this edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's do a parasmorgasbord. But first, as always, we've got shout-outs. That's right, we've got shout-outs going out to the patrons. Now the patrons for this one. I'm going to do things a little bit differently. Not not the shout-outs. The shout-outs are still going to just be me shouting out people because you guys are awesome and you deserve shout-outs. No, what I'm talking about is... Wait, where are the patrons? What's happening? There we go. No, what I'm talking about is this episode. I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Because this episode will have a regular episode for the regular listeners and patrons. You can feel free to listen to that one too. But it's also going to have bonus content just for the patrons. I'll talk about more. I'll talk about more. I'll talk more about that in just a little bit. But first we have shout-outs. These shout-outs going out to... Adam Morissette, Karen, Ethan, Sylvester, Duran, Nikki Loves James, Cobalt Slayer 42, Lori, Alicia, Rebecca, Ann, Stephen Cher, Jennifer, Heather G, your friendly neighborhood skinwalker, Zuzus, what's it, Nico Cher and the Mouse, Mark Tortuga, Mike from Jersey, Jay Bizzle, Andy, Tracy, Virginia Mailman, Tony the Magician, oh, do I have a magician sound? I should have a magician sound, hold on. No, no, no. There we go. Tony the Magician. Jason, Vicky, Crow, Clay, Buzz, Lobita Works, Glacier Main, Isabel, Jen Jen, Stacy, Amber, Tracy, Kelly Joe, Menace the Beast, Kick-Ass Magic Robot Webcomic. Seriously, check out Kick-Ass Magic Robot Webcomic. Just Google that. It's awesome. Sandy, Page, Kausch, Bentman666, Andrew, Scott, Andrea, Melody, Vanessa, Marisol, Liam, Becca, Jake, Charlotte, and the Beasties, Elizabeth, Voidtech, Sherry, Art Muffin, Tim. More. We'll hear more about Tim in a little bit. Kenneth, Ricardo, Ian, Alexandra, George, Zozo, Zozo the Demon, Hayden, Cindy, Ashley, Carrie, Robin, Will, Lauren, Russell, April, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Bob, Paula, Jerry, Jeff T. Oh my God, I got off. I got I got off track. I got to focus again. Joe, Lawrence, the Lawrence Strawn. Hey, howdy, hi. Veronica, Autumn, J. Mark, Manning, Carolyn, Jade, Nanashi, Chuck, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Dan, Laura Pitts, and Gamer Fan. Woof. Two special shout-outs, as always, every episode forever. Two special shout-outs to Joe Teague and to Stitch. Woof. Boy, I, you know what? Like, once I start going down this list, if my eyes get a little bit quicker than my mouth, it just goes off the rails. It goes off the rails real quick. But um, what was I talking about? Oh, so I'm talking about Tim. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so Tim Bentley reached out to me uh to do another episode, which I'm very excited about because I do want to do another episode with him. I, I don't know how much I should... I'm just going to leave it at that. That's that's your tease. So that's coming up soon, hopefully. Can't wait for that. Um, you know what? There's a lot to get to, but um, ah, screw it. Let's get right on into paranormal news. Strange things happen every day. Keep watching. 
Making it funky. The first story in paranormal news, if it ever loads up, it shouldn't shock you. It's going to be about a UFO. Here it goes. Investigative journalist who broke Pentagon UFO story reveals more whistleblowers will come forward, but they're scared of losing their jobs, safety, and their security clearance. So we got to do something to protect these whistleblowers. They aren't like blowing Secrets. I mean, what's what's the government's secret about? Yeah, they have UFOs. We all know they have. Oh God, things are popping up. Uh, yeah, there's there's you know we know that they've got UFOs. So let's protect them. It's not like they're giving out like nuclear codes or showing people top secret documents in bathrooms or anything. That would be dumb. No, I'm talking about protecting people that want to come out and say they've seen UFOs in the past. They've worked on UFOs in Area 51 or Edwards or wherever it was. But they go on to say that I do think there will be, there already have been, other whistleblowers. But the question is, will they go public? And that remains to be seen. Let's see. Will this load? Will this load? Nope, sure won't. All right. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna do the, uh, the, the audio from it, but it's not loading, so that's fine. That's that's cool. That's fine. Um, her name is Leslie Keen. She's an investigative journalist who broke the story of the Pentagon whistleblower who claims the U.S. has run a top-secret UFO retrieval program for decades, says more people are too scared to come forward. Let's see if I can get that to play again. Taking an hour to shred documents. A month has now passed since an Air Force veteran and former member of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency first came forward with claims that the government is lying to you. Of course, by now you know what I'm talking about if you've been watching this show. UFO whistleblower David Grush and the allegations of a secret crash retrieval program. Yeah, yeah. Get, Virgin, get to, uh, no, no, get to her. We do. The question now, um, and, and, and here we are a month later, and, and a lot has happened. A lot has happened, as you pointed out in your introduction. And I have to say that I have to take my hat off to you, Brian, and your team at News Nation for all the coverage that you've given this. That's really been incredible because not a lot of other television networks are doing what you're doing. So yes, I mean, we have seen, as you mentioned, Marco Rubio in particular has come out with some very strong statements in support of David Grush and actually mentioned him by name, uh, talked about the fact that the uh, Congress has heard from other whistleblowers even before Grush came forward. And this was a really important statement, which you, you brought to the airwaves because that was the first time so that a member I. of the Senate had actually mentioned, as I said, referenced Grush by name, and also acknowledged the fact that other whistleblowers have spoken to the Congress, which many of us knew already, but it had not been stated by a member of Congress. So that was really important. And the different, the important feature of that, too, is the fact that those whistleblowers have firsthand knowledge of these crash retrievals which David Grush didn't have. And a lot of people mm. have been saying, we need firsthand information. Well, that those people have gone forward to Congress. They just haven't been public yet about it. So that could happen down the road. We don't know where this is going to go. But the fact that we know there are other whistleblowers that have spoken to Congress that have firsthand knowledge of these craft means a great deal. Yeah, yeah I agree. I really do think that other whistleblowers are going to have to come forward any way that they can. So if you're, you know what, if you have firsthand knowledge and you're a whistleblower, you want to come on the show, 
Look, I've had other guests on the show that never released, you know, revealed their identity. To this day, I've never revealed their identity. So if you feel comfortable coming on a podcast, maybe a, I don't know, a top 100 paranormal podcast that's gotten like, I don't know, 200 and something, 280 episodes. It's, you know, a lot of episodes. Come on my show. Let's talk. Honestly, honestly, let's talk. Alrighty, up next in paranormal news, it's about the same story. True or crazy, UFO whistleblowers coming out of the woodwork. Um, it's it's the same story, but it basically they said either the whistleblower is saying is partially true or entirely true. Or we have some really smart, educated people with high clearances and very important positions in our government who are crazy and are leading us on a goose chase. Well, we all know that's not the case. So... I just wanted to add that because there's a lot of articles coming out about possible whistleblowers still coming forward, or we need them to come forward. So, again, if you are a relative, maybe, of someone, if Grandpa talked about working on UFOs in World War II or something to that effect, he's still around, he's still coherent, get him to tell his story. Put it on video, Put you know, record it on your phone. Then, you know, if he says, like, oh, I don't want to go out, I don't want to go public with it, at least get the story on, on, on your phone, on video, so that after he passes, then you can release the story. These stories need to be told, people. Alrighty, up next in paranormal news, prominent Bigfoot hunter Claudia Ackley, who sued California to prove Sasquatch is real, was sadly found dead. I added the sadly part because it is sad. She's She was only 51. She was found dead at her Tennessee home on July 3rd, following a suspected heart attack. I'm very sad to hear that because um, she was very prominent in the Bigfoot community. Uh, let's see. After allegedly first sighting of the mythical hairy hominid humanoid uh, nearly a decade ago, Ackley devoted her life to showing that the species does exist and to warn others that the creatures are dangerous. Uh, she said the, uh, the, well, they said that the Bigfoot community had lost a soldier with her death um, I don't need to talk about her death. That's sad enough. Um, and who found her? Uh, let's see. Ackley filmed a purported Bigfoot sighting while she was out hiking with her young daughters in 2017. They were at the trails head near Lake Arrowhead, which is not too far from me with their dogs. When one of her daughters stopped dead in her tracks in fear, she went to see what's wrong. And she claimed she saw an alpha male Sasquatch leering at her from behind a tree. They were uh, terrified. They all fled, she said. Uh, they filmed the encounter. I swear to God in my life, we ran into a Sasquatch. I want to see the clip, but I can't find the clip. Uh, she called the California Department of Fish and Wildlife, who after reviewing the footage, told her she had just seen a bear. In January 2018, she made headlines when she sued the agency to get it to recognize Sasquatch as an actual species. The case was dismissed months later. She wanted to protect people, and she was doing something no one else was doing by speaking out about these creatures and listening to others. It's no secret that our views are different on this subject, but she truly believed in their existence, said her partner. Her lawsuit's goal was to force the state of California and the Fish and Wildlife Authorities to take sightings seriously and investigate them properly, rather than just say it was a bear. The goal was to get them to do real investigation and research. Right up to the very end, she believed in what she, was, in what she saw and wanted to help other people who had experienced something similar. So, yeah, it's a sad, sad story. Unfortunately, like I said, she passed away um, at 51. So, you know what? Keep her in mind. Again, don't belittle people that have 
experiences ever. That's my my big thing about this show is I'll never belittle someone for having an experience, and I always want to hear them. All righty, up next in paranormal news, what's this? Nessie, okay, go ahead, I agree. Nessie captured on webcam by veteran monster watcher? That's right. Nope. Ian O'Fadigan is back, baby. Listen, Ian O'Fadigan, please come on this damn show. For the love of God, I talk about you all the time. Veteran watcher Ian O'Fadigan captured a classic Loch Ness monster, not a monster, sighting at the Shorelands Lodge's webcam again. This one's from July 7th, so it just happened. He states, it's not a seal, a big fish, or an otter. The creature is visibly seen, but it merges, submerges, emerges, swims, changes direction towards the middle of the lock, and submerges. Boy, a lot of merges in that sentence. In the video, which is over four minutes long, the moving targets swap parallel to a traveler. The sighting took place at 7.55 a.m. on July 4th. It comes days after an American tourist had her sighting of Nessie officially registered. However, they, uh, oh, they won't, yeah. Uh, they're saying. However, because it's webcam, they don't do it. That's bullcrap. Ian, your sightings are legit and real, and I want to watch it. Okay, something big in the water. Well, there's something really big in the water, actually. Ian O'Fadigan, you bastard, you've done it again. Oh, yeah, it's booking, too. It's big and it's moving. Wow, this is a good sighting. I, you know... I don't see it coming out of the water yet, but we'll see. Oh, turns around. I mean, it is something very big. It is moving very fast towards, it was going towards the shore, then turned around, went the other way. Oh, there's a boat. How is this boat not seeing this? Come on, guy. Keep an eye out for Nessie. What are you doing? All right, it just keeps going. I'm going to skip ahead. We're a minute in. That boat's long gone. Nessie's still going. Nessie's still going. Nessie's still going. Three minutes in. I don't know what the hell that is. Maybe the wake from the boat? Nessie's still going. Nessie's still going. Nessie's still going. Yeah, it's like, he's not wrong. It's like a four-minute clip of Nessie, and it's still going. I'll throw this one up on the uh, Facebook fan page so you can watch it again. But uh, it's Ian again. You know it's real. That's awesome. Uh, Let's see. Up next in Paranormal News, Loch Ness Monster, not a monster, spotted stalking a boat. Is this the same one? It is. It's more about Ian O'Fadigan. He said, My heart was pounding because I knew I was onto something here. When the creature resurfaced and moved parallel to the boat, what a picture that was. Yep, sure was. I watched the whole thing. Well, not the whole thing. I skipped ahead. You guys heard me. But still, cool as hell, Ian O'Fadigan. Up next in paranormal news, you can rent this entire castle with a haunted history on Airbnb for $533 a night. But it's only 950 square feet. What's with, with the only, man? It's still a freaking castle. Why you got to be little a castle? Didn't, Dinton Castle was built as a folly 250 years ago and was totally restored in 2018. The 950 square foot property is now available on Airbnb for $533 a night. Uh, let's see. It's in the English countryside. A tiny village of Dinton, Dinton in Buckinghamshire. I'm sure it's Buckinghamshire, England. Um, let's come on, get to this, get to the haunted. The building was used to store fossils and decorate an estate. I think it's awesome, man. It was built in 1769 by Sir John Vatterhorn. 
who used it to keep his collection of ammonite fossils. All right, I'm liking that even more. It was originally called Dinton Folly, with the folly referring to ornamental structures often built on grand estates for purely decorative purpose. It's a wonderful view from this vantage point. I can see why he chose the location. In his diaries, the land, landowner referred to it as a castle. Uh, all right, keep going. Want the haunted. Um, bum, bum, bum. Where's the haunted? Fell into disrepair. Yep, yep. Looks cool as shit now. Yep, yep. Um, Rents it out on the weekends only. Where does he stay on the weekends? That's weird. Two bedrooms can comfortably fit a family of four. Bedrooms aren't big enough to hang out in. Yeah, they are tiny. All right, now I'm, now I'm on board. This castle's tiny. Ever after I see these photos. Uh, yeah, it's wood-burning stoves, got TVs, don't care. Where's the castle? Where's the ghost? Uh-huh, where's the ghost? It's busy next to a busy highway. It's got uh, popular with tourists. Oh, and he says, According to local folklore, Dinton Castle is haunted by John Big, known as the Dinton Hermit, who lived, who lived underground on the estate until his passing in 1696. Big went into hiding after the owner of the nearby manor house, Simon Maine, was tried and sentenced to death for his role in the regicide of King Charles I of England. That is cool. Oh, it's real close to an old Anglo-Saxon burial site as well. That's cool. I dig it. I mean, I don't have 533 bucks to spend in a tiny castle in some tiny town in wherever Shire, England, but it's cool as hell. All righty, up next in paranormal news. That's right. It's a big paranormal news. That's right. I'm going to I'm going to bre breeze through this next one though. The spooky West Virginia restaurant where the milkshakes are cryptid themed. Hell yeah. Point Pleasant in West Virginia welcomes you to experience a truly one-of-a-kind ice cream delight at the mystical What's the Scoop? That's right. They've got Bigfoot. they got Mothman. They've got the Flatwood Monster. they got aliens. they got everything. They're cryptid-themed milkshakes. Oh, my God. The Mothman one looks amazing. Holy crap. Um, yeah, I want to go to it. So it's called What's the Scoop? It's in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Go to it and have a really cool cryptid-themed milkshake or ice cream and send me photos because I'll be jealous. Up next in paranormal news, one that I've been wanting to watch. Unidentified flying creature banging on home torments Oklahoma family? Alrighty, according to the local report, last month in Oklahoma City, Carol Dillon first heard a puzzling thump on the door of her back porch. I thought somebody was hitting baseballs against the house. Then it started sounding like basketballs. She couldn't find any objects or anyone outside. Uh, and it would occur every night. So, here's the video. I've been wanting to watch it. It's going to go into some stupid commercials, isn't it? Nope. You don't get commercials on my... You have to... Listen, if you'd like to be a sponsor, please reach out to paranormalalmanac at gmail.com. We're a top 100 paranormal podcast, and I'd love to have you as a sponsor. It's a mystery, oh and it's really terrorizing an Oklahoma City woman and her husband keeping them up at night. Some kind of flying creature keeps banging on her back porch door. She is at her wit's end and called News 4 to help. News 4's Caitlin Ogle saw the footage, and even the experts can't agree. This is where all the sounds are coming from, and Carol has gone to great lengths to try and stop them. 
She's blocked off the glass. It's helped a little bit, but now the sounds are even louder. It's really frightening when you hear the bang. Stopping this flying creature from hitting oh. Carol Dillon's back door has become that? her obsession I mean, like bird, over the past but... month. It's tormenting her family at night, or even with the lights bug. out, and her changes to make the porch not so friendly to flying foes. There's an owl there, an owl there, and then here's Harry. He's supposed to be a scarecrow, it's a but nobody's afraid of him. In the af afternoon, I'll bomb the area to kill any insects. But the creature just keeps at it. I've seen enough of the videos to know because of the scalloped wings, you know, that that's, that's a bat. We asked oh. Micah Holmes at the State Wildlife right. Department. Well, then we know what it is. So it's not a, well, it's, it's not an unidentified flying creature. It's probably a big ass moth or a bat. Damn it. I wanted something cooler than that. I was really getting into that too. Alrighty. And last in paranormal news. Ghost girl spotted at site of mining disaster in Britain? That's right. A pair of ghost hunters in England captured footage of what they believe to be the spirit of a young girl who perished in a mining disaster. Uh, let's see. Paranormal investigators Lindsay and Lee Steer visited a coal mine known as the Huskar Pit. And they said that it's infamous because back in 1838, a staggering 26 children working at the site perished when it flooded and they were unable to escape. Yeah, that sucks. Alrighty, let's watch this video, though. To an emotional and chilling live stream tonight we embark on a paranormal investigation oh i should talk like delving that. into the tragic history history of a devastating devastating disaster, disaster involving innocent children their hopes were shattered what and there's like a yellow, little yellow thing that popped up on the screen restless. to be like here's where the ghost is yeah when you zoom in it looks like a ghost restless. was left restless all right, it looks to me, and this is just me saying this. I'll throw this in the Facebook fan page as well. All right, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Um, there is a ghost app. There's a bunch of them that you can get on your cell phone where you can add a ghost to an image or a video. This 100% looks like one of the ghosts that you can add to that. I'm not saying that's what it is, but that's what it looks like to me. So I'll throw it up on the Facebook fan page. You guys can take a look. Tell me what you guys think, but... Uh, I'm not going to spend any more time on it. To me, that's what I think it is. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. We are back. On this edition, I thought, you know, let's do a para-smorgasbord. That's right. You add the word para into in front of anything, it just makes it like a spooky version of that thing. Like, I can say, I want a para milkshake. Oh, you spooky milkshake. That's cool. So this one is just like a smorgasbord of all of these stories that, like, you know, like when I hit an hour recording an episode and I say, well, all right, I'll leave it there. And I kind of, I always say, like, you know, there's some more stories that I just never have a place for these stories because there's only, like, one or two left. And I can't do a full episode on these one or two little stories that are left over from when I'm doing an episode. And I know a lot of you people say, well, then just put them on the episode. Why you got to stop in an hour? Okay, okay, I know. I just like to pick an hour because that seems to be like a good time limit for people to spend some time with with old para-influencer Kurt. You know, like just to hang out, like a good hour seems to be a sweet spot. I know the nine-hour 200th episode was way too long just by looking at the statistics and people just gave up. I get it. Note taken. 
So like I stop in an hour, but there's always stuff left over that I want to tell. And I know that right now some of you are thinking, oh, this is the junk that didn't make it onto the regular episodes. No, 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 no. These are some crazy cool stories that I didn't want to just leave out there and I never, you know, never ever get to again. I'm excited for this Paris Morgesborg and regular listeners. You're going to get your full episode. This is what I was talking about earlier. Patrons. Oh, patrons. You'll notice that when I put this episode up, I'm also going to put it up on Patreon and there's going to be a whole lot more to it. That's right. Another benefit to becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month is I'm going to release patron editions with bonus content. And I don't mean I'm just going to do an unedited where I'm doing the ums and ahs and shit like that. No, I mean more content for, hold on a second, Rum's bringing me. Hi, Rum. What'd you bring me? Jesus, and the loudest car in the world just went by. Hold on one second, I gotta get a treat. Here you go, sweetheart. There's your treat. Okay, uh, what I'm talking about is bonus content. There, you're gonna hear it in a little bit. You're, you're gonna, you'll figure it out pretty quick. Basically, I'm gonna be like, all right, for the regular listeners, we're gonna skip to this next topic, but for your patrons, here's some more of this smorgasbord topic. That's right, a whole lot more to an episode. Now, I'm not saying that every episode will get bonus content, but a bunch of them will. So keep an eye on Patreon because I'm going to do more and more for my patrons, including even more of the Monday Zoom calls. I had to stop them for a little bit because I had, I was recording with, uh, with guests and, you know, day job and all that fun stuff. But we're going to do even more of the Monday Zoom calls with patrons where stuff you won't ever hear me talk about be talked about on there and more. Uh, seriously, I've got some cool Patreon stuff coming up very soon, including the next video in the Paranormal Field Trip series. That's right. Oh, and uh, here's a quick question. I should probably throw it up on Patreon, but I'll ask it here as well. Patrons, would you like me to do video tours of Hollywood cemeteries? Because I think I want to do that, but only if you guys want me to do that. Because I love going to the local Hollywood cemeteries and seeing all of the celebrity graves, but I don't know if that's something you guys are interested in. Just let me know. You know, you don't have to do it right now. Don't, don't just say, don't reply to what I'm saying right now while you're listening to this, because I can't hear you. That's not how podcasts work. I know. Shocker. But all right, let's get right on in to this Paris Morgesborg with past lives. Uh, I don't know why I love past life stories so much, but I really, really do. I mean, I can tell you, I I do not want to reincarnate if I have a choice. If it comes up to like, you want to stay in heaven or do you want to go back to earth? I'm just going to stay in heaven. Why would anyone want to go through the hell on earth that is modern times again? It's beyond me. Like, you know, like everybody says, oh, heaven is like pure bliss and it's magical and it's the best thing in the world and you have no fears and everything's amazing. Or I can go back and be born and do all this shit again. Okay, I think I'll take the pure bliss is what I'm saying. Now, I'm guessing heaven might not have something cool. Like, oh, sorry, there's no candy or booze or TV shows or something. So if you want that entertainment, then, you know, like, you know, you can either stay in heaven and here's a harp and go fuck off to that cloud. Or if you want, like, booze or TV shows, you got to go back to earth. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to be born again. You have to deal with all that crap and... You know, but you get TV, 
and you get candy and you get booze. So I guess, you know, maybe, yeah, reincarnate me and I'll go through puberty again. But otherwise, no, thank you. I'm just going to stay. I'll just stay up there. I'm cool. You know, maybe I'll come back and like bug you guys, but as a ghost, not as a reincarnation. That's just weird. Anyhow. Now I'm rambling. Let me read you from a website that did the hard work of finding the past life stuff first. And then I'm going to read you stuff that people like commented on past life videos and Reddit and, you know, like that kind of stuff. So first here's the, the website that did the hard work. It says people who remember their past life stories. Uh, let's see. Back pre-pandemic, I was watching my friend's then three-year-old for her, and I saw a big military ship and got this kind of faraway look. And he got this kind of faraway look and said, I remember when my boat sank. There were so many sharks. That's cool. I like these. I like these a lot. When I was very young and still unable to string sentences together, my mom and I were sitting at the dining room table. She was crying, and I, was comfort and I comforted my mother by telling her without any babbling or hesitation, it's okay, I used to be your great-grandmother, and I'll take care of you. Kids are creepy. This is kind of like past life stories slash kids are creepy. So be prepared. I used to watch my nephew when he was about three or four. One day he was at my house and pointed to a magnet of Arizona. It had a picture of the desert with rock formations. The kid pointed at it and says, and asked where it was. He said he used to live by red rocks like that with his first family. Creepy. My coworker had a son who, when he was about three, told her he used to grow rice and live in a place where two rivers met. He was able to name the rivers, and she located them on a map of East Asia. Pretty wild. See, that's the ones I like. When kids can actually, you know, when you can verify what the kids are saying. And not just like, oh, I used to be a, uh, I used to be a daddy before I was a mommy. You know, that not, not that weird, like, ambiguous shit. I want names, and I want places, kid. If you're going to tell me you had a past life, kid, you better give me some names, and you better give me some facts. My father said that when my brother was three, he said something like, when I was older, I had a pretty girlfriend, and we died in a car. Well, at least he had a pretty girlfriend. That's good enough. When our son was maybe three or four, he described his life as a ballerina on stage, from the lights to the music to the applause. His next words chilled me to the bone. He said, I was, a, I was at a party on a boat, and I fell into the water. Then poof, I was here. Whoa, that's weird. So is that how it works? Like, maybe you don't get to go to heaven. Maybe they're just like... Yeah, you didn't do good enough to get into heaven. So, boom, right back to earth with you. You get to be a boy now. All righty, let's move on to the cool parts of it. The uh, the reddits in the comment section. When my son was three, he told his mom that he was a cosmonaut the last time he was a grown-up. Not an astronaut, a cosmonaut, the Russian version. We were 99% certain he had he had never heard that word before. Well, yeah, he was three. Who's gonna who's talking about cosmonauts in front of a three-year-old? This next one says, This one's not past lives, but a spooky kid story. Um, when my daughter was three and started to talk clear and was talking to someone and concerned, I walked into the bedroom and no one was there. Initially, I thought it was her playing with her toys. Days later, the same scenario, but this time I asked, Who are you talking to? And she replied, Your grandma. Now, I thought she meant my mom, who had recently passed. So I showed her a picture of her, and I said, is this her? And she said, no, your grandma. So I found a picture of my grandma, and she, with a big smile, said, yes, her. I was shocked since I don't have any pictures of my grandma displayed, and she died in 1991, and my daughter was born in 2015. So here's what you should have done as a parent. If this happens to you. Here's what you should do. So you should pull up a picture of, like, the where's the beef lady, 
or something like on your phone or like be Arthur and be like this one. And if she's like, yeah, then you know, she's full of shit. But if she goes like, no, and then you go to be Arthur and she's like, no. And then you go to like Mrs. Doubtfire and she's like, no, then you show her a picture of your grandma. And she says, yes, you got yourself a ghost kid. Well, you got yourself a past life kid. Well, this one isn't really past life though. She was just talking to her. This is just kid talking to a ghost. Creepy kid. Still, it's a smorgasbord. We'll go with it. This next one says, not a parent. I remember telling my mom when I was about three about my royal family. I still have this cryptic memory of standing in a desert with a dark, shallow pool. The sun was setting and my younger brother reaches down and splashes the water in the pool and everyone got very upset. There was something sacred about this pool. It's always been a lasting memory for me. Now, I met someone when I was 16 and we stayed friends. And when we were 18, we talked about reincarnation and he told me the exact same story, only from the brother's perspective. I had never told him about my memory. Still freaks me out to this day. There we go. Corroboration. I dig it. There is a thing that a lot of people, and I, I tend to, I kind of dig it. I kind of enjoy it. That uh, that say that um, if you are going to do this shit again and again and again, it's always going to be around the same people. Now they might be your mom next time or like your best friend will now be your brother or something, but they're all, you're always going to be around the same people. And there is something comforting to that. I kind of dig it because I like to hang out with my friends again, but I don't know if I want to go through puberty again and all this bullshit. I don't know. I'm still deciding. This next one says, I was watching an old video of a jazz drummer playing a solo. No idea who it was, but he was really good. My daughter, probably age three, was looking over my shoulder for a minute and said, I used to play drums like that when I was a man. All right, that's creepy kid and past life. I dig it. When I was four, my parents and I went to my aunt's farm. The wind started picking up. I looked back at my parents and said, gotta tie down the hay bale, gotta tie the hay bale down in the wind. That's how David died. To this day, no one knows who David is. Dun, dun, wait, where is it? Who's David? I don't, I don't, I don't know. This next one says, my daughter asked me, remember my fancy hat? And when I said no, she said, yeah, before I was dead, I used to work in a bank. I saved my money and bought a hat in a round box. I was on a bus and the man almost sat on it. Then the bus crashed and I died. She was about three and totally casual about it. Yeah, yeah, creepy kids, man, I'm telling you. This is the time when the kids are like, you know, starting to talk twos, threes, and fours. Just say, hey, who were you before? If they say something creepy like that, you know, Lock them in a room. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do that. It's creepy. Um, but you know, if you if you're brave enough to be to talk to your kid and be like, "Hey, who were you before?" and they start telling you creepy stories, and and you're like, "Oh, okay, cool," and you don't want to like disown the kid, please tell me the story. Alrighty, up next, um, my middle son used to talk about having a different mom before me. He would say she was blonde and looked nice, but wasn't nice. He would bring it up randomly and only ever get a bit emotional when he would tell me about it, and then. When he was with her, he never got to grow up. He said he chose me to be his mom this time because I wouldn't let him grow up and because I would let him grow up and get old. Ooh, that's creepy. When he, when he would say the last part of it, he was looking for reassurance. He said, he asked me like, right, mom, I can grow up this time? Really fucked me up sometimes, it says. Yeah, that's creepy. So that last mom sucked. Um... And that's the other thing. If you're going to reincarnate, you're not guaranteed to have a good family. Like, what if you get a shit mom like that? Like, that's not cool. Or someone that kills you. That's way not cool. Alrighty, up next. My nephew, around two or three, would talk to us about his other mom and then look confused when you asked him to elaborate. He said, she's not here now. 
My five-year-old daughter said to me, I was in your belly twice, Mama. The first time I died before it came out, but I came back. I did lose my, my first pregnancy eight months before getting pregnant again. She was never told. I don't know what it was, but that's what happened. That's cool. His next one says, my son said once, Mommy, when I was big and you were little, I remember when we danced in the kitchen. The only person I ever danced in the kitchen with as a child was my grandfather. See, there you go. Looping again, again and again, same people. This next one says, I used to watch my nephew when he was about three or four. Oh, nope, I already did that one. There we go. Sorry. When my son was four, we had driven past a cemetery. He asked me if I remembered when he died and was buried. I said no, and I asked him what he meant by saying that. He said when he had died, he was buried in a cemetery, and that's when he started growing in my belly. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up when he, when he said this. He doesn't remember saying it. That's the other thing. The kids are going to creep you out and then forget about it, and then you're going to have to be like, you little bastard, you said this when you were a kid. And they were like, no, I didn't. Yep, kids are creepy. Uh, this next one says, when my nephew was about three or four, my sister said he was throwing a tantrum in the car while he was in his car seat, and he yelled at her randomly, I waited 100 years to be born. So, yeah, maybe he got bored up in heaven after 100 years, and he's like, screw it, I'll do this over again. I don't know. I don't have the answers here, people. Just, just the questions. This next one says, um, didn't believe in ghosts and shit until this day, but it's fair to say that now I have a slightly more open mind. Our two to three-year-old daughter was playing on her own, but she was playing hide-and-seek with an imaginary friend. I asked, are you playing hide-and-seek? She said, yes. I said, who are you playing with? She said, Uncle Andrew. My wife's brother Andrew was seven when he drowned when my wife was five. Didn't like to talk about it, so we never mentioned it. There's no way our daughter could have known. That's a cool one. All right, this next one says, My cousin's kid was jumping on the bed and had her hands out like she was holding on to someone or something. When I asked what she was doing, she said, playing with grandpa. The cousin asked, who's grandpa? And she said, yours, mommy. When asked what he looked like, she described him to a T, and jumping on the bed was such a grandpa thing to do. He had died when she was five months old, and my grandma died before she was born. Couple's, couple days later, they were at my mom's, and my mom had a picture of her parent. She walked up, dragging her brother with her, and said, look, Jay, that's grandma and grandpa, remember? They play with us sometimes. All right, that's just ghost grandparents, man. Next one said, I had a brother pass away from brain cancer. At the time, we had a cat who was a calico and just sort of knew he was battling something. She was really mean to most people, but with him, she was gentle. He would grab her paws, and she would just let it happen. Well, about three years after he passed, my parents had another child, another boy. He was about three when he told my parents about the white, brown, and black cat that used to let him grab her paws. She died about a year before he was born. Whoa, that's creepy. Uh, my son told my parents all about Coco and Boo Boo. Describe the cats to them. He was four. My cats, Coco and Boo Boo, had died about four or five years before he was born. When my mom showed him various pictures of cats he had, he pointed them both out and told her that Coco liked to knock things off the table. Well, that's all cats. Uh, Coco had a nickname, Princess Knock It Off, because she would knock over anything she could. I didn't have any pictures of these cats myself, so he'd never seen them. I didn't talk about them either because we had other cats now. Coco and Boo Boo were littermates and a bonded pair. Aw, that's cute. Ghost cats. All right, this next one says, apparently when I was really little, about three or so, I told my mom this was my last time here and then I wasn't going to come back. All right, so maybe we don't have a choice. Maybe I got to do this crap again. I don't know. I think I'm enlightened enough. I'm talking about this shit all the time. Maybe that, maybe that, maybe the podcast alone will get me into heaven. Now, if anybody listens to the podcast and you be like, dude, you swear too much. You're not going up to heaven. All right, I don't know. Still thinking about it. 
This next one says, according to my dad, when I was about five, I stared, I, I was staring out the window during a heavy thunderstorm. When he asked me what I was doing, I answered, when do the bombs drop? Are they gone yet? I grew up in Germany and my dad's dad used to alert the city for incoming air raids. My grandpa died three days before I was born. And at five, I had no idea about the war or my grandpa. Really freaked him out at the time. A couple moments later, I forgot what I said when he asked me more questions. Damn it. Got to get into it, man. As soon as the kid starts acting weird, you got to bombard him with questions until he snaps out of it or whatever. This next one said, when he was around four, my, grand, my grandson used to talk about his job at the ice factory. One day he was talking about his boss, Farvo, and the day he quit. I asked him why he quit, and he turned to me and quite passionately said, I'll tell you why I quit. They made me work 15 hours a day in a row without a break, and I had enough of that. It was, here, it was weird hearing all of this righteous anger coming out of that little boy. Uh, my daughter just informed me that when he was three, he would always talk about working at the ice factory. So, yeah, three scary three-year-olds. Yeah, weird, right? Seriously weird. This poor kid is like the next life. He's still shitting on his old boss. Like that boss sucked, stupid Farvo. But Farvo, man, you got to be able to find a Farvo. Like if you Google Ice Factory and Farvo, something's got to come up, right? I don't know. I didn't do it. I'm not going to do it right now. I'm going to groove. I want to keep moving on. This next one says, my coworker has a son when he was about three, told her he used to grow rice and live in a place where two rivers met. Oh, I already said this one too. Come on, Kurt. Do, doubling up. Do your Do your job better. Uh, this next one says, my middle son, five, is named after my wife's grandfather. He looked at her a couple of weeks ago and said, I remember when you were little and sat on my lap. He also gazed into my mother-in-law's eyes at three or four-year-olds, or three or four years old, stroked her cheek and said, my daughter. Creepy. Grandpa's back. Um, this next one says, my younger sister, when she was three, started talking to my mom about when I was a big girl and you were a little girl. She said she went to my parents' wedding, described her old self physically, and my mom says it sounds like my mom's grandmother, Grace. My sister also talked about the greenhouse she used to live in at the end of the dirt road and the fact that her mom, my mom's great-grandmother, Matilda, died from a snake bite while living there. She described the snake as pretty with the full description my mom thinks she was describing a copperhead. Now we live in northern Nebraska, no copperheads. Matilda died in the southeast Oklahoma, copperhead region. My sister said she killed the snake with a hoe. She said these discussions always take place at bedtime. One day we're putting in the garden and my dad was sitting down and sharpening the hoe with a file and my sister told him he was doing it wrong. He told her how to do it. This is how you do it. She put her hands on his, on his and placed them in the correct position and later he said, yep, she was right. He was doing it wrong. That's creepy. So that kid's like sticking with it. Alrighty, for you regular listeners, let's move on to the next topic. But for you patrons, here are a few more cool past lives because I dig them and hopefully you guys do too. This isn't just a past lives episode, even though it's almost been an hour. No, let's move on to the next topic for tonight. It's a topic you don't hear much more about. What? What am I saying, Kurt? It's a topic you don't hear much about anymore. It used to be a big paranormal topic, but sadly, there aren't daily stories coming out week after week. Oh, I see what I'm doing. I'm setting myself up for a joke. All right, I got to do that. I can do that better. Huh. See, I wrote this this part of the uh, the uh, the outline a while ago. I get I get what I'm doing here. Here we go. Take two. Take two. I'm going to leave this all in so you guys can all hear it, both regular and patrons. Here you go. It's a topic you don't hear much about anymore. It used to be a big paranormal topic, but sadly, there aren't daily stories coming out week after week. Oh, wait, there are. That's right. 
It's UFO time. Nailed it. All right. Uh, see, sometimes I gotta sometimes I write myself a little bit of banter and then I forget about it. And then I have to be like, what the fuck are you talking about, Kurt? No, I'm with I'm back. All right, this one's actually a paranormal news story, but I, but since I know a bunch of you skip paranormal news, I'm putting it here instead. Ha! I beat you, people. I beat you. Don't don't skip ahead. Just listen. It's a really good one. All right, this one's brand new. A researcher says the first UFO really crashed in Italy in 1933, and he has evidence. That's right. Secret documents suggest suggest a suspicious cover-up. Is Italy not Roswell, New Mexico, the actual site of the first UFO crash on Earth? Well, technically, no, because there was a crash in Texas in the 1800s. There's been plenty, but I get where you're going here, popular mechanics. An Italian researcher claims to have proof that backs up recent allegations that a crashed UFO was recovered in Italy in 1933. Uh, Talks about the UAPs, everybody coming forward. Uh, Italian ufologist Roberto Panati says that fascist dictator Benito Mussolini got his hands on a flying saucer after it crashed on June 13, 1933. The alien craft was captured by American forces at the end of World War II and sent to the U.S. Now, he showed documents to the newspaper that he claims are evidence of both the crash and a secret department set up by Mussolini to study the alleged saucer. I and my colleague, Alfredo... Lissoni began investigating the story of the 1933 UFO crash in Lombardy in, in 1996 when we received some original secret documents about the case. That is freaking cool. Um, let's see, where's, let's get him, I don't care about Grush and all that. Let's get back into this story. Uh, yeah, I don't care about Grush. Where's, that's it? Oh, that's it. The rest just talks about Dave Grush and all that cool stuff. Look, I love Dave Grush and all that cool stuff, but I wanted to hear more about this story. So, yeah, apparently there's going to be even more stuff coming forward with secret documents about a UFO crash in 1933 that uh, connects Mussolini to the UFO and the retrieval and um, investigations of it and that the U.S. took it over after World War II. That is cool. Uh, Now, look, there's tons more UFO incidents, but they're going to get their own episode in the future. So, For everybody listening, let's move on to Bigfoots. Well, kind of. We're going to move on to lesser-known cryptids first. This one isn't really a Bigfoot, even though it's got big feet. Uh, Hold on a second. You know, I love a good lesser-known cryptid. um, So much so that I have about 45 outlines for future episodes about lesser-known cryptids. But I also have these little, like, outlier cryptids that don't have, like, enough to do on its own. Like, I can't do a whole episode about them, but they deserve to be talked about like this one. So, while not necessarily a Bigfoot, it is the Lizard Man of Scape or Swamp. That's right. For you that are are part of the Facebook fan page, I I posted a photo of a, quote, photo of the Lizard Man of Scape or Swamp. It's basically just blurry photos of trees and then, like, a circle and something in the background. But they think it's a Lizard Man. But now I'm just jumping ahead. Uh, Let's travel back to 1988. First to the early hours of June 29th, 1988, when an unnamed teenage boy, so Kurt here, already hate this story, but there are more witnesses, so I'll keep going. Anyhow, Dick Hole Jones was driving home from work when he blew a tire along the edges of the Skateboar Swamp. That's right. You don't give your name to a story, I'm going to name you, and it'll be bad. So now this kid's name, Dick Hole Jones. Anyhow. 
Dick Cole got out of the car to change the tire when he heard something big running up towards him. He turns around and he sees, well, at this point he didn't know, but it had blazing red eyes, green scaly skin, long black claws on its three fingers, and was seven foot tall. Big feet as well. So technically a Bigfoot. So he jumps into the car and the lizard man starts attacking his car. It rips off the side mirror, gouges the roof of the car. Basically, he gets away and has just like the worst story ever to tell his parents about what happened to the car. You know he got in trouble. And my guess is the parents are like, you got to take a drug test. What are you talking A giant lizard man attack you while you're fixing the tire? You're taking a drug test, Dickhole Jones. I did not raise Dickhole Jones Jr. to lie to us about what happened to the car. Then, two weeks later, on July 14, 1988, the Lee County Sheriff's Office investigated a report of another car that was damaged overnight while parked at a home in the area of Browntown outside Bishopsville, South Carolina, again on the edge of the scape or swamp. Now, the police noted that the car had tooth marks and scratches with hair and muddy footprints left behind. Hmm, this one's got hair. That's not a big lizard, man. So what the crap, people? Is it a Bigfoot? Some sites go even further and say that the fenders have been ripped off and the antenna was bent to. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Then, I go down the lizard man rabbit hole, and guess what? This is Kurt here speaking. I'm going down the lizard man rabbit hole, and guess what? I actually found the first kid's name. But I already came up with the whole, like, Dickhole Jones bit in my head, so I kept that. But I can tell you now that Dickhole's real name is Christopher Davis. So, you know, when people say, like, Kurt doesn't do a lot of research, just read stuff off the Internet. Well, F you, because that little tidbit isn't mentioned in a shit ton of articles and sites about the Lizard Man, but I found it. Anyhow. Um, that was just me bragging for a moment. Uh, over the course of the summer, even more cars in the vicinity of Scape or Swamp were attacked and chewed on, and then even more people reported seeing the Lizard Man. The police were called out to a bunch of the cars, and Sheriff Liston Truesdale made plaster casts of the three-toed giant footprints found by some of the cars. Uh, the news even ran stories about it, and local businesses started selling Lizard Man t-shirts. Even the local Chamber of Commerce encouraged the media attention as, quote, good for the community because people from all around were trying to find the Lizard Man. Why? Well, to find a Lizard Man, but also because local radio station WCOS offered a million-dollar reward to anybody that could capture the creature alive. Spoiler, it never happened. Then... August 5th, a real brainiac named Kenneth Orr, who should be called Dickhole Jones for this story, well, he files a police report saying he had not only encountered the lizard man on Highway 15, but he did the thing that you just don't do to cryptids. That's right, he shot it and wounded it. He, uh, he went to the police station, showed him the gun, said, hey, there's the gun I shot the lizard man with, and then he also showed them several scales and a small quantity of blood as, quote, evidence. And that's when the police reminded him, hey, uh, Kenneth Orr, you don't have a license for that gun, and it's also a misdemeanor to file a false or a police report. So do you really want to do this? And Kenneth immediately admitted he made it all up to keep stories about the lizard man in circulation. Yeah, 
That's that's the dumbass of the day of, of this episode. All right, so the police considered getting the FBI involved because there was a lot of cars being vandalized and shit was happening all summer long. But as the summer ended, you know, much like summer love, the lizard man faded away. People went on, shut up, I'm doing an episode. Don't call me when I'm talking about the lizard man. Uh, yeah, so people just went on with their lives. The summer ended, summer loves ended, lizard man ended. I mean, I'm sure occasionally people were like singing about the lizard man on a bleacher while friends sang, tell me more, tell me more. Does he have lots of scales? Something like that. But not, no other real stories of the lizard man happened until... 2008, CNN did a story about the lizard man legend about a couple in Bishopville who reportedly had damage to their vehicle and included blood traces. So CNN had them tested and they were found to be from a domestic dog, but the local sheriff said it might've been a coyote or a wolf. Ooh, so that's it. That puts the, you know, that's the last nail in the coffin of the lizard man, right? Nope. Because in 2015, Local television station WCIV featured photos and videos of the Lizard Man. All right, here's your next uh, in the uh, episode paranormal news thingy that I'm doing with this episode. Here it is. Monday, August 3rd, 2015. Has Lizard Man returned? Photo and video apparently showed fabled South Carolina creature. That's the photo that I put up on the Facebook fan page. The fabled Bishopville, South Carolina swap creature. Whoa, what the crap? Go away. Well, well, I don't care about that. Show me the fucking article. The fabled Bishopville, South Carolina swap creature, known as the Lizard Man, appears to have surfaced again Sunday afternoon. Sarah, a sumpter woman who says she went to church with a friend Sunday morning, stepped out of the sanctuary to see Lizard Man running across the tree line. So she did what anyone would do. She took a picture with her phone. My hand to God, I'm not making it up, she wrote in an email to the ABC4 newsroom. So excited. She says there were just a mile or so from Skateboard Swamp. The site of a similar spotting would also might be the Lizard Man in May of 2015. A man asked not to be identified submitted a short video of what he thought was the Lizard Man Monday morning. He said he took the video in May while coon hunting, but kept it quite it kept its existence quiet until he saw the reports of the lizard man outside the church. He said, I saw your lizard man story, and it's giving me the courage to send you a video I took in early May. Though my, my wife believes me that it's real, she said she was embarrassed that everyone would think that I was a loon, so to keep it a secret. All righty, I'm going to watch the video. Ah, oh, the video's gone because it was from 2015. Damn it all. All right, let's see. In the 22nd video, the photographer ducks behind a tree as a dark figure with what appears to be a long tail walks by some 30 or 40 yards away. Boy, it sounds like a great video. Wish I could watch it. Uh, the video stops as the figure appears to turn towards the camera. If you're wondering, I absolutely believe it's real. I also don't know if it's the same thing you posted. When it noticed me, I hightailed it out of there. That's cool. Fuck, that's cool. I want to watch that video. But anyhow. Again, that's the photo that I put on the Facebook fan page. Go check it out. Tell me what you think. Uh, let's do another lesser-known cryptid for everyone. Then we'll do one more for the patrons. Oh, so much editing for Kurt. I'm already regretting this. But, all right. Next up is the Mam Lambo, which is a cryptid, but it's also really fun to say, the Mam Lambo. 
I'd like to buy the nice, the new 2023 Mam Lambo with fine Corinthian leather seats. See, it's just fun to say. All right, the Mam Lambo is a deity in South African and Zulu mythology known as, quote, the goddess of the rivers. It, she, they, I don't know, are described as a large snake-like creature. And this one actually has a relatively recent sighting. All right, Kurt here. Look, I know that 1997 isn't really recent and probably before a lot of you were born, but in like the grand scheme of time I'm talking about, it's pretty recent. So for this one, we go back to 1997. Tub Thumping was making its way up the music charts while Mam Lambo was making its way down the Mizendlava River near Mount Eilif in South Africa. And honestly, I don't know which is worse, Man Lambo or the Tub Thumper. But uh, South African newspapers, including Johannesburg's The Star and Cape Town's Cape Argus, reported sightings of, quote, a giant reptile in the Lava River. Sure, why not? Villagers in the area claim that the creature was about 20 meters long, which to us Americans is 65.62 feet long. All right. I don't know about you guys, but I can't picture 66 feet. When my GPS, like when I'm driving and my GPS tells me like my turn is in 100 feet. I don't know if I should turn like right now or in three blocks or in a mile. I don't know what 100 feet or 66 feet looks like. So to help us all, here we go. What are some things, Kurt, that are 60 feet long? Well, good question. How about this? A bowling alley is 60 feet long. So this Mam Lambo is longer than a bowling alley. Let's do some other ones. It's about one and three tenths the time. What? It's about one and three tenths time as tall as the Hollywood sign. So it's taller than the Hollywood sign. A Mam Lambo is taller than the Hollywood sign. It's about one and a half times as tall as a Brachiosaurus. It's about two and a half times as long as a London bus. That's for our UK listeners. It's about one-third as tall as the Cinderella Castle at Disneyland. That's for everybody that likes Disneyland. It's about three and a half times as tall as a giraffe. We can all picture that. We know what a giraffe looks like. Picture a snake that's three and a half times as long as a giraffe is tall. It's about one-fifth as tall as the Statue of Liberty. It's about one too many examples of this stupid bit that I'm doing right now. You get what I'm saying. You know what? Now we can all picture... How long 20 meters long is and 66 feet long is. All right, we're good. What's it look like? Well, the Mam Lambo was described as having the head of a horse, the lower body of a fish, short legs, the neck of a snake, and that its scales shined with green light at night. Not enough for you? Well, how about this? Some people believe that the Mam Lambo has the ability to transform into a beautiful woman in order to lure people into the water where it can then drag them down to their deaths. Others believe that the Mam Lambo has the power to heal the sick and bring prosperity to those in need. Some people even claim the Mam Lambo can grant wishes to all of those who are pure at heart and ask for its help. Kurt here, I don't know if I'm pure at heart. Whenever I read those things and people are like, hey, you know, if you're pure at heart, you can it'll grant you a wish. I don't know if I'm pure at heart. You know, I wish ill on people, but bad people. So maybe that's still pure at heart. You know, I got, I got sinful thoughts. I got, uh, I, you know, like, am I pure at heart? I don't, I don't know. I got to look up one day to figure out how to tell if you're pure at heart. There's got to be some like 
one of those like Facebook quizzes that find out if you're pure at heart. But I know I'm just going to end up being like, like when I take that Facebook quiz, you're, they're going to be like, oh, you're a, uh, you ended up be as Michelle from Full House because they never are, they never tell you the correct thing. They always tell you something stupid like that. So I don't know if I'm pure at heart, but so the man Lambo will either grant you wishes or as some locals think, It'll lure you into the water to drown you, then crack open your skull and eat your brains. That's right. The man Lambo is also thought to eat people's brains. This thing has it all. This cryptid has it all. I feel like Stefan. It's the hottest cryptid in South Africa. The man Lambo. I'm not going to do a Stefan bit right now, but you know what I'm going with. All right. So between January and April of 1997, remember, we're back in the 90s. Back in the 90s, I was on a famous TV show. Uh, let's see. Not only was the Man Lambo seen, but nine deaths were attributed to it. According to the police, the victims had been in the water in a while, been, on, been in the water a while, and had the soft parts of their heads, necks eaten by crabs. But local villagers say that the mutilations had actually been caused by the Mam Lambo's habit of eating people's faces and brains. All right. This is where most sites then just start regurgitating nonsense. So that's it kind of for the Mam Lambo, but I'm hoping it'll pop up on a future paranormal news. Kurt here. Since I wrote this outline, a news story did happen about the Mam Lambo, but it's behind a paywall and I'm dead broke. So I don't know. You really want to read the news story about a Mam Lambo and you want to pay for it? Google Mam Lambo, hit news, you'll find the news story. If it's really that amazing, take a screenshot and send it to me and I'll read it to everybody. All righty, for you regular listeners, we're going to move on to the next topic, but that's cool. Okay, let's get everyone back together. Patrons and you fine folks listening wherever you are. Let's do a debunk for a second and then we're going to go on to ghosts, all right? Because I got I got to eat breakfast. I still haven't eaten breakfast yet. That's right. It's breakfast time in this place. Actually, it's like brunch time in this place, but I just need breakfast. Alrighty. For the debunk, there is a lesser known cryptid. Spoiler, it's about to be debunked. That's why it's in the debunk section. But this lesser known cryptid is called the Lemish. It's a supposed monster from Patagonia in the mountains near the Lake Kolhui region. I know I nailed that. Kolhui that I'm sure if I did the pronunciation, it would sound just like that. So what's the Lemish look like? Well, it's a cross between a jaguar and an otter. It's as big as an ox and has a short head, big canine teeth, no external ears. Its feet are short, three toes on the forefeet, four on the hind feet. Three rows are formed by a membrane for swimming. I have no idea what they mean by that. I just mean, I think they mean it has like web feet and are also armed with formidable claws. Its tail is long, flat, prehensile. Uh, it's as fast on land as it is in the water. It only comes out at night. Okay, so this thing, again, remember, it's spoiled, it's going to be debunked. It's, it's a debunked thing. It was first reported by Florentino Amangino in 1897 when someone said, hey, there's this giant weird jaguar otter thingy, and he's like, ooh, tell me more, and he wrote about it. Then, a full study on the creature was published in 1955 in a book called On the Track of Unknown Animals. Then, follow-up research by Bernard Huevelsman and Robert Nietzsche and Santiago Roth would eventually publish, uh, be published more about the Lemish in, quote, 
the mysterious mammals of Patagonia? And their conclusion was the lemish must be some unknown type of otter. And Kurt here, oh, I wish it was because I love unknown types of otters. Otters of all types. I want more otters in this world. So a lot has been written about it, but how do we know it's fake, Kurt? Well, when their work came out, that Nietzsche guy and the Roth guy and Wavelsman, when their work came out, some people went, wait, what? We're in Patagonia doing research on animals right now. We also know both of these guys writing about it, but we haven't heard shit about a giant otter. So they go asking around the native tribes, and the native tribes are like, what? We haven't heard shit about a giant otter called the Lemish. Then they asked, well, what does Lemish mean in your language? And the native tribes go, nothing. That's right. Lemish isn't associated with any languages spoken in Patagonia. So, um, so yeah, no Lemish for you is what I'm saying, people. All right, like I said, patrons and regular people, let's move on to ghosts, but not just any ghosts. A long time ago, I did an episode about ghosts and the presidents. Remember that one? If you don't, after this episode, go back and listen to that one. Then go back and listen to um, Elijah's episode about the White House ghosts, because that was another good one. But I left out a bunch of ghosts from the Mount Vernon area from that one because it didn't really pertain. It pertained a little bit. You'll find out in a second. Pertained a little bit to Washington, but not a lot. So I just kind of left it out. So let's do that one now. Yeah, I know. That one was a while ago. This is how massive my dumb notes are for this show. But uh, Mount Vernon ghost stories time. This first one, kind of, this is why I was like, maybe I should throw it in that episode, but I never did. It's about Washington himself and the Mount Vernon Ladies Association. And this one is actually from the New York World newspaper in 1890. In the early years of the Mount Vernon's Lady Association building, when the ladies were at Mount Vernon, they would sleep in the mansion. Now this mansion, Kurt here, this mansion has since gone on to be like a a tourist attraction. So you can still go to it now. Um, Back to the New York World newspaper in 1890. They said, of course, the most interesting of all the bedrooms is the one belonging to the immortal George and in which he died. In its original four-poster bed, whereon Washington passed his last moments, this historic chamber is haunted. Of that, there will seem to be little doubt. Many people within recent years have slept in it, and they declare that they were awed by the viewless presence of the nation's first president. They deny earnestly that the notion was based on imagination. Few of these temporary occupants have been able to get any sleep. Obviously, it's one thing to see a ghost and quite another to feel one, to be aware of the nearness of the strange and brooding specter. They all agree that Washington visits his chamber in, in the still watches of the night. That's cool. Mrs. William Beale and a friend of hers spent a night at Mount Vernon. At their own request, they permitted to occupy Washington's bedroom. Oh, yeah. I like where this is going. In the middle of the night, they were awakened by the sputtering of their candles. They had lighted one surreptitiously and were burning it in the middle of the basin of a water. Fancied they saw a spook. It went out with a noise. and They began to feel alarmed. Mrs. Beale said to her friend, You're on the side of the bed where Washington died. The other went, no, I'm not. He died on your side. Finally, they decided the question was doubtful and there was no more sleep for them that night. They got up, dressed themselves. Ah, yeah, they were, never mind. And sat around until morning, scared by every squeak of the windows. At one moment, they were sure they heard Washington's sword clank distinctly in a corner. Kurt here. So from what I'm getting from this one is that 
Washington's ghosts watch these two 1890s women scissor. That's what I'm getting with, you know? Yeah. All right. We're all on the same page. Cool. Uh, then cut to the 80s, 1980s, that is. While stationed in the central passage of the same building, an interpreter saw the figure of an unidentified woman dressed in 18th century clothing on the stair. The figure carried a large punch bowl filled with a flower arrangement. The figure disappeared upon reaching the bottom of the stairs, so no ghost punch was had by anyone, apparently. Another time, a person working there heard someone in the room behind her. She said, Thinking that a visitor had gotten in the area by going under the rope barriers, she entered the little parlor to shoo them out. Much to her surprise, she found an older gentleman sporting a large mustache and dressed in late 19th or early 20th century clothing with his sleeves rolled up and secured with garters. When he saw that he had her attention, he shouted, what the hell is going on here? In reference to the noise of a school group or groups that were making, that were passing by that they were making. Basically, kids were, some school group was making a lot of noise. And this ghost dude was like, what the hell is going on here? So the woman told him she was trying to quiet them down. And then the man just disappeared. She later saw a portrait of the gentleman in question, Colonel Harrison Howell Dodge, Mount Vernon's director for about 50 years until his death in the late 1930s. That's cool. Uh, the same woman also felt something brush past her coming out of the little parlor another time. She said, looking down, all she could see were the feet and bottoms of the skirt of a young girl in 18th century dress running across the central passage. Uh, guards also had run-ins with ghosts. They said, Quite frequently, an alarm would go off in the stable. Then in about the time it would take to unsaddle and put a horse and walk from the stable to the mansion, alarm would go off in the Washington bedchamber. Guards checked and nothing was out of the ordinary in both places. And they thought that the general, that's General Washington, when General Washington was coming home, made his horse comfortable, then went up to his room. Kind of like a loop, you know, like, uh, like a ghost loop, a paranormal time loop. Uh, then in 2012, a guard said, my first experience with something that I can't explain occurred in the mansion during the early hours of the candlelight tour. The event took place on the anniversary of General, Washington, General Washington's death around 10.30 p.m. After the house had been cleared, I locked myself in. It was my responsibility to check the alarms for their proper positioning. When I went in the mansion study, I heard a heavy set of keys being walked across the floor at Washington's bedchamber directly above. As I approached the back chairs to go back stairs to go up to the bedroom, the sound of the keys abruptly stopped. He then says, It was well known that General Washington carried a heavy set of keys and that he could be heard as he walked throughout the house. Kurt here, is that well known? Look, I know I know the crap about like George Washington and the cherry tree, George Washington, wooden teeth, first president you know, like some stuff from Hamilton, but like I have never heard that, you know, it's a well-known fact that George Washington carried a heavy set of keys, like some forefather janitor, but okay, sure, let's go with this. Let's go back to this well-known fact about George Washington often carried a heavy set of keys. So Tobias Lear, the general's secretary, is known to have taken the keys from the general's pocket upon his death in order to hand them over to his enslaved manservant, Christopher Shields. Yeah, that's well known. All of those names are well known. I was taught that. Sure. All right, this next one is from 2006. We're still in the same place. In 2006, a supervisor from the History Interpretation Department had her first encounter there. She said, my first encounter with a ghost occurred in the yellow room of the mansion in 2006. I was a supervisor in the History Interpretation Department. Supervisors clear and lock the mansion after checking and rechecking for reassurance that no one has been left in the mansion after hours. 
After letting the last interpreter out of the study door, I walked back up the I walked up the back stairs, past the Washington bedchamber, and into the yellow room. I suddenly felt myself being pushed. Feeling the presence of someone's hand on the back of my shoulders, I turned and looked, and there was no one there. It was obvious that I wasn't wanted in the yellow bedchamber. Ooh, what'd you do? Um, this happened several more times, and I decided I would not go back upstairs alone. I invited another interpreter to stay with me and travel the back stairs to the yellow room, and nothing happened. The next time, when I was alone, I was once again pushed through the room. This, To keep this from being disturbed, I felt it was best that I not use the back stairs, but to remove my shoes and cross through the downstairs bedchamber to the central passage and lock the doors for the evening. Yeah, they some ghost doesn't like you in that yellow room. Don't do that. Another one from 2006, this time at George Washington's tomb, which Kurt here I can only assume is covered in keys because everyone knows George Washington just loved keys. Uh, the first time I experienced this ghost was Easter morning in 2006 when I was scheduled to open up Washington's tomb. This was early it was early and very quiet. There was no one around. The guests had not made their way back to the ma- made their way from the mansion to the tomb. I stood in front of the open door and I saw an ecto I saw an ectoplasm in the right corner of the tomb. When I moved, the ectoplasm moved. I watched it as it became a blur in my vision and it continued to move around. I took a photo that showed a streak of light through the blur. The second photo showed the blur. As soon as voices of guests started coming down the hill could be heard, the ectoplasm disappeared. This happened on three different occasions. Uh, let's keep going. Screw it. I don't care. Um, next one is from a member of the Mount Vernon's youth program. Originally, my office was located in the Teachers Research Center, the Education Center, which is, which is now B. Washington. I don't know what that means. It was after hours and the staff had left. I gathered my coat and bag and set them on the table facing my desk. As soon as I turned to put my coat on, I saw a female figure standing in the door of my office. She was dressed in clothing from the Civil War period, and she was totally gray. Her complete body and clothing were gray. She stood in the doorway, looking straight ahead without moving. Her stare was very stern. It happened quickly, and then she was gone. There was no doubt in my, my, there was no doubt in my mind that Anne Pamela Cunningham, founder of the Mount Vernon's Lady Association, had been in that room. I stayed for a while, sitting quietly as I listened to the noises of cabinet doors open and closing, in hands-on history, but when I looked to see who was there, the room was empty. That's a brave person right there, because if I saw that ghost woman, I don't know if I'd just be like, I'm going to sit calmly and listen to cabinet doors open and closing in the other room. All righty, uh, one from 2010. A couple of security guards were driving around the Mount Vernon grounds very late at night. They saw a little girl on the path ahead of them. They stopped suddenly, then the little girl appeared right next to them, then quickly dr- spun around. Oh, they quickly spun around and drove away as fast as they could. Yep, see, wimps. I would be me. Uh, finally, one from inside the mansion in 2017. Uh, let's see. I worked at the Mount Vernon on and off since 2004. I recently returned in January 2017. The estate was abuzz with the lady sp- latest spooky story. On December 15th, 2016, some strange sounds were heard coming from the third floor, and there had been reports of the temperature dropping by 20 degrees. That was cool. They said, as soon as I heard that, I wanted to see if it could happen to me. On December 14th, the anniversary of the de- general's death, I was on the third floor waiting for some hunt for some haunting, but nothing happened. However, when I returned the next night, the vibe in the area had changed. Upon looking in the southwest bedchamber, I noticed an electric candle was on. That's strange, I thought. It was dark last night. Had collections come and turned it on? Not likely, because the third floor isn't open to the public. Then it hit me. 
George Washington died on December 14, 1799, and the next day, Martha Washington shut up the bedroom they shared and moved to the southwest bedchamber. Apparently, she's still marking that sad day. That's cool. Uh, honestly, um, I, I frankly, I, I want to go and investigate this place. Why isn't this like on every ghost show? Or is it, and I just don't know it? I, I would like to go and investigate this. So if this place is still is is open to having paranormal investigators come and investigate it, I would like to volunteer. Kurt here, I would love to come and do a paranormal investigation on the anniversary of his death or whatever. You know what? I'll even make a ghillie suit covered in nothing but keys, and I'll just wander around the ho the you know the entire place basically covered in keys because you know the ghost of George Washington won't be able to stop himself from like tackling me in my key ghillie suit, just covering me in his presidential ghostly ectoplasm. It's gonna be cool. It's gonna be way cool. It's gonna be good. I want to do this. So again, if you'll have me, and if you don't want the key, the ghillie key suit, just be like, you can come, but just don't bring a lot of keys. Washington's weird with a lot of keys. All righty, we're coming to the end of this uh, Paris smorgasbord. What are you guys thinking so far? You, you still with me? Or did you tune out a while ago because I was talking way too much about like spooky kids and you're like, I can't, I can't deal with that. All right, here are two conspiracy theories that aren't hot garbage political BS nonsense. They're quick, though. I'm going to tell you right now, they're quick. The first conspiracy theory for the Paris smorgasbord is that the Earth is flat. Nope, it's not flat. Stop sending me things that don't even remotely prove that hot garbage shit, people. I will turn this podcast around and drop you back off in your mother's basement, you damn mouth breathers. I am not going to do the earth is flat bullshit. It's not flat. Knock it the fuck off. No, the first conspiracy is one that doesn't get a ton of public info, but the more you go down that rabbit hole, the more info you find on both of the ones I'm about to tell you about. This first one is about the high frequency active auroral research program in the mountains of Alaska. Now, this facility sits on 33 acres of land and has over 180 antennas. The antennas have collected data about the aurora borealis, radio waves, other atmospheric occurrences, and actually help scientists study the farthest distances of the atmosphere. But some people think that the antennas are an experimental weapon that can control people's minds. Kurt here. Today's episode is brought to you by the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program. Sit back, just relax, and while you're here, buy some Paranormal Almanac merch. You can go to tpublic.com slash stores slash paranormal dash almanac. The world is fine. Nothing is wrong with it at all, and there is no chance that we're running headfirst into the apocalypse. That's right. Here at the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program, we are here for you. All right, we're back. Uh, let's go on to uh, some paranormal news about that uh, research center. You ready? This one comes from August 25th, 2016, calling all conspiracy theorists. Alaska's Mind Control Lab is hosting an open house. Now, depending on who you ask, HARP can control mines, weathers, and even earthquakes. For years, 
Scientists studying the upper reaches of the atmosphere have turned into have turned to a remote Alaska facility known as the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program, or HARP, for information. One of the world's most powerful transmitter facilities, the HARP Transmitter Array has provided information about some of the most basic natural processes that occur at the edge of our atmosphere. But conspiracy theories about its motives have been long plagued the facility. Now, in an attempt to dispel some of these wild ideas, the researchers who run the station are holding an open house. That's right. They held an open house in 2016. We hope that people will be able to see the actual science of it, says Sue Mitchell, a spokesman for the University of Alaska Fairbanks Geophysical Institute, which runs the facility. So, um, yeah, uh, there's more to this one. Other people think that not only can it control people's minds and the weather and all this other jazz, other people believe that this facility, HARP, actually caused the Columbia Space Shuttle to blow up in 2003 with no proof at all. And then, like I said, 2016, the facility held an open house to the public so they could see they weren't up to anything dangerous. And those people never returned. No. I'm kidding. They were all fine. People went and checked it out. They went to the facility and went, it's kind of boring. But they only drink Tang now, and they only watch reruns of Nash Bridges. So maybe the facility did something. To, I don't know. I, it seemed like it was fine. People went there really expecting to be like, oh, it's a cover-up. It's a government cover-up. And then found nothing and then went, well, they didn't show us all the government cover-up parts of the building. They just showed us the regular parts of the Seems like it's fine is what I'm saying, people. I don't think we have to worry about harp. But this next one, oh, this next one is even weirder if you can believe it. It's the Stanley R. Mickelson Safeguard Complex in North Dakota. The $500 million building is shaped like an unfinished pyramid. Much like the one you see on the back of a dollar bill and has a round circle on each face. All right, Kurt here. Yep, that is mysterious. It was built in the 1970s to detect incoming missiles, but here's where it genuinely gets weird. The building was opened on October 1st, 1975. I'm going to repeat that little fact for you. This unfinished pyramid-shaped building was opened. That cost $500 million was opened on October 1st, 1975, and closed down on October 2nd, 1975. Yeah, Congress decided to end the program. That's right, this $500 million unfinished pyramid was opened for one fucking day. All right, I'm really into this conspiracy. Let's continue with the facts for another second. It... That's weird, though, right? That's really weird. They spent $500 million to build an unfinished pyramid in North Dakota, and it was only open for one day? That's fucking weird. And I checked. That's true. All of that is true. Here's some more facts. December 2012 was purchased by the Spring Creek Hutterite Colony of Forbes, North Dakota, at auction for $530,000. That's a big loss. Then, in 2020, portions of the property, including the pyramid, were sold to the Cavalier County Job Development Authority for $462,900. Yeah, 
So what's the conspiracy? Well, well, guys, it's just the biggest one ever. It's an unfinished pyramid building, so obviously it's the headquarters of the freaking Illuminati. That's right, the headquarters of the Illuminati. Kurt here. I seriously don't picture Beyonce, Lady Gaga, and Urkel, who are all Illuminati, to hang out in North Dakota. It seems to me like someone from a nearby town would notice all of these celebrities like buying groceries and heading out to that weird unfinished pyramid building. But, you know, now that I think about it, I suppose they probably just use DoorDash so they don't get noticed. All I know is that I have yet to be invited to an Illuminati meeting there. And, you know, and I say yet, yet to be invited because I know it's coming. Because when I had a Twitter account before that went to all hot garbage nonsense bullshit, when I had a Twitter account, the Illuminati Twitter account reached out to me. And then I asked, oh, that's cool. Can I be an Illuminati? And they should, sure, why not? So that's cool. So I think technically I'm a member of the Illuminati. They never said like, you know, no trial membership or you got to bring like a, like a casserole to the next meeting or something. No, they just said like, yeah, you can be an Illuminati. So I think I'm technically Illuminati, but I've never been to this building in North Dakota. Have I ever been to North Dakota? If Mount Rushmore is there, then yes, as a kid, I went to North Dakota, but we didn't go to any, I think I would remember us going to yeah, well, that's weird. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think I was about five when we went to North Dakota. This building was only open for one day in 1975, which is when I would have been five. Maybe I did go there. Maybe I did go to this. The one day that it was open, I went to this pyramid. Now I'm into it. Now I think it's, yeah, I agree. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, it's Illuminati. I'm I'm now firm believer that I've been there when I was five, probably to get my Illuminati card that I since lost because you know, I was five. You can't give a kid a card and expect him to hold on to it forever. Come on, like I'm a kid. Um, well, all right, there we go. So uh, that there is your Paris smorgasbord. What do you guys think of this episode, patrons? Did you like? Did you listen to the whole bonus content episode? Did you like the bonus content? It was good, right? All right, well, there we go. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Samick, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac, brought to you by Harp. We're reading your brains. I don't know. I don't know. I already forgot what they did at the other one. Heed on the moolin' the ma. Heed on the moolin' ma.